What is up, everybody? Thank you guys for joining us here on our very first Viva podcast. Uh, the name of this podcast is Vcast, of course, and um, we're going to be starting a brand new series on love. Um, we have four episodes for you guys to listen to. One will come out each week. Um, and the first one that we're going to start off with is actually the second episode, but we just felt this was the best place to start. So hope you guys enjoy it. Give it a listen. Love you guys. All right, so we talked last time about uh, God, the origin of love, that Mm -hmm. God is love and that um, he was the exemplification of love. Um, As a matter of fact, you know, we talked about wrath and it's like, man, how do you know, how is God a loving God if he pours out all this wrath? But we know for sure it's like for every one act of wrath you find in the Old Testament, you can probably find 10 acts of benevolence and grace and mercy. Um, Look at all the times that God forgave people of sin. Look at all the times that God overlooked things. Look at all the times that God used people with imperfections. And God is a gracious and a very loving God. And there are some crazy moments, but at the same time, they're very far and in between. You know, there's not like 10 billion, you know, global floods. There was one and we didn't even then like some people debate that and say maybe it was only local but um we know that god is love and as a god who defines himself as love i'm sitting here going okay if you're gonna tell me that you are love and that i have to love the way that you love i i don't know about you but i'm a visual person (laughs) and so for me i'm like i need to see it like I, i i can't just be told hey love But the good thing about God is that God never tells us to do something that he himself is not willing to do. And God will never expect anything of us that he is not willing to display for us. And so now we come to the topic of of love. How did God display his love? Um, I think the the only correct answer is Jesus. Oh, yeah. I think that that is the only answer that you can give when it comes to that question. How? Jesus. By sending himself, his son, yeah, to come down and display that. Mm-hmm. And I just love what you were going off because I wanted to like, I was like, it was like an aha moment when you were saying <laughs> it. I was like, then how does God, um, you know, God is not willing to do something that, um, God is not willing to tell us to do something that he himself is not willing to do. Right. Right. So it's like God is going to give us all these commandments. Mm-hmm. But he is not not just going to sit back and say, okay, follow them. He's going to come down and show us how. Mm. And I think um, that's exactly what Jesus did. How do we show love to one another? God? And he's like, I'll show you. Yeah. And like, I'll come and, and I'll show you exactly how you need to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think Jesus is just that perfect example of how we show love and how God displays that love to us. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you're absolutely right. Jesus is the the like we we were talking about it before in the office we said uh god decrees it uh jesus displays it and the spirit empowers us to live it and so understanding that that flow of thought we go okay so if the father decrees that we should love jesus is going to back that up because he and the father are one their their mindsets are are very similar there's no old testament version of love and then jesus has this new version jesus as a matter of fact never taught anything new you know that when it came down to it, he only reinforced old stuff that already existed, but the people had forgotten about. Um, so like I was like, you know what, Jesus, not only he showed he displays the love, but he t- he taught us love um, and, and revolutionary, too. And because 
in his teaching, what does Jesus say? He says what? That you should love your enemies, right? Uh, Matthew 5, 44 through 48 says, um, you've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you can be sons of your father who's in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Right? Like if you only love people who love you, what reward is there in that? Mm -hmm. Um, Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same thing? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So in all of that, what are some things that you pulled out from there? Um, one that just um, popped out to me is that God is um, Jesus is calling us to something higher. Mm-hmm. Right. He says, you must. Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Eesh. Now, that, oh, yeah, that is, ending is brutal. Now, that's sta- <laughs> like it sounds great. But that standard that he's calling us to is like, what? Like, how the heck do I even do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, he made a way for us to do that. The people just didn't understand it at that time. Yeah. He's like, how you, you need to be perfect like your father is perfect. How can I do that? And we, if we pay attention to Jesus, we see that the way to be perfect is by him. Right. Mm-hmm. But that 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 for the first time hearing that, yeah, that must have been something crazy because they look back to generations of their fathers mm-hmm. and, and their ancestors and they're like, dude, what the heck? Like it, that, <laughs> yeah. that's an impossible goal. How am I supposed to be called? How am I supposed to be perfect? Like that, no one's ever done that before. And I think Jesus um, calling out to his people and saying, mm-hmm. you need to be perfect is something so um, revolutionary. Like you yeah. said, this is something that no one could have thought of before. I like that because he says it's the end verse. Yeah. You therefore must be perfect as your father is perfect. And people are sitting there going, how am I supposed to be perfect? And then Jesus goes, I just told you. <laughs> Did you catch that? Like, I just told you how to be perfect. Love your neighbor and love your enemies. Learn to love people on on the on love hinges the law, right? Like a, a door without hinges is just a knob in a wall. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense if you're listening to this, but if you could picture a knob in a wall, that's not a door. But if you put hinges on there somewhere, now you have a door because in order for a door to open, it needs hinges. So in order for us to enter into that kingdom, Jesus says, hey, listen, you want to enter the kingdom? You want to you have eternal life? You want to, this is what you need to know. You need to love people and love God, right? First, love God, then love people. Um, and what people? Love your, love, love your neighbors, love yourself, love your enemies. It's the fulfillment of the law. And I think that um, kind of what you just said was that, um, it, you know, the law said to love your love God and love your mm-hmm. neighbors. But then Jesus comes down. He says the exact same thing. But now he explains who your neighbors are. Yeah. Right? People just thought, oh, my neighbors. So, you know, my friends and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And he's like, no, not just those neighbors, the neighbors that you don't like as well. And and this was what Jesus was um, sort of explaining mm-hmm. on the same thing when um. Um, do not commit adultery. He's mm-hmm. explaining again. Oh, so I just might, I just shouldn't commit the act. No, he's like, even if it's in your heart. So when people, when it came to understanding the law, people only understood it in the simplest way. Mm-hmm. Jesus came and he explained it. No, it's more complex than that. You don't just love the neighbors that you like. You love the neighbors that you don't like either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think of the Good Samaritan, right? Yeah. You know, it's like they were enemies The because it was a Samaritan and a, and a busted up Jew who just got beaten down and robbed, half dead, 
but it was a Samaritan, an enemy, who came and helped him out. He's like, that's that's love. And y'all could learn from this Samaritan and everybody was like, boo, hiss. You know, like everybody was so triggered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was one of the most triggering stories that G- parables that Jesus ever told. Because it's like good Samaritan, no such thing. They're disgusting. That's the way they thought back then. Yep. And Jesus goes, no, actually that Samaritan was a good person because he showed love. Um, another thing we look at is uh, John 15, 12 through 13. Um, I don't know if you want to read this one this time. Um, yeah, I'll read it. John 15, 12 through 13. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you. Love that last. <laughs> You're my friend. If you do what I command. <laughs> yeah. I'm a friend of God. Do you obey him? Then you're not his friend. <laughs> and if you're not his friend, you're his enemy. Enemy. Yes. But, but um, uh, what, what I love about this was because uh, we had brought this up when we were kind of going over the outline for this and kind yeah, of yeah. discussing what we're going to talk about. And when it came to love, um, this was the first one that popped up into my head. Mm-hmm. Right. The commandment Correct. was just um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. That was the command at first. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. I can do that. I love myself pretty well. Right. <laughs> but then Jesus comes in and he's like, no, don't just love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as I have I loved you. And wow. I think that's the difference there. It's not just loving your neighbor as you love yourself, but loving them as God has loved them. Yeah. And that's why he says that greater love has no one than this, that someone comes and lays down their life for their friend. Yeah. That's the difference. Right. Because as much as I love myself, I probably wouldn't lay down my life for some random people. But right. if I understand how God loves them and I'm to love them that way, then I understand that call. Right. So Jesus taught us sacrificial love, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's saying... He's like, hey, uh, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Well, how have you loved you? I gave my life for you. Mm-hmm. I laid down my rights. I laid down my freedoms. I laid down my expectations. He, he laid down a lot, right? In order to show you, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm literally going to die on a cross to show you how much I love you. I'm going to take your place. That's sacrificial love, and that's what he's trying to teach us. Yeah, and, and um, another thing that I want to get at is that where it says, you know, to, to lay down your life for your friends, I understand that we mean that, like, actually lay down your life for your friends, and I, and I agree that's exactly what it's saying as well. If you're mm-hmm. ever put in that position, that's something you should do. Yeah. But especially living here in America, that's not something that we usually deal with on a day-to-day mm. basis, right? I'm not literally having to lay down my life for my friends, so then how do we take it, right? Us who have the benefit of not literally almost dying every single day, right? Um, when it means to lay down your life for your friends, that sacrifice is giving up time for them sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, not being consumed by other things, but understanding mm. that, um, especially for your friends who are not right with God, spend time with them, right? right? I could be home right now just chilling, watching TV, watching Netflix, or I can take some time out of my day. Yeah. And say, hey, how are you doing? Let's talk about God. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's not always literally laying down your life for your friends, although I know that's what that means. But also, hey, yeah. sacrificing things from your own life so mm-hmm. to make other people feel appreciated. It's so important. Yeah, because I think that 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 is exactly kind of where that's headed is kind of like take up your cross, you know, learn to embrace your cross, learn to to die to self. Right. Um, because the opposite of being selfish is being selfless. 
and learning to sacrifice um, moments in our life um, to time, money. You know, Jesus says, hey, listen, loan people money and don't expect it back in return. Like he's like, that's what tax collectors do. That's what banks do. That's what, you know, like that we get on these corporations like the IRS and uh, bank loans. And how could this bank charge this much interest? And it's like, I okay, you get mad at banks when they charge you a ton of interest for a loan that you took out. But then we expect people to always be paying back what we do. Um, and so it's so important to just be that sacrificial uh, person. Yeah. Um, Jesus also taught us this one. I like this one. Uh, uh, Jesus was, uh, he's talking about how um, one day when people go to judgment, he's going to see people in on judgment day when people are going to heaven and hell and stuff like that. And Jesus is going to say, to to some people he's like thank you for giving me food thank you for giving me drinks thank you for giving me uh, uh clothes when i was naked thank you for welcoming me thank you for uh visiting me when i was was sick um and and coming to me in prison and and all these people are gonna come up to jesus and be like i never visited you in prison like you what like i, I never gave you food or drink i never clothed you or saw you naked for that matter and that's such a weird thing to say and it's like well, why would you say that? And Jesus says, what you did unto the least of these, you had done unto me. Mm-hmm. Jesus shows us that true love, genuine, real love on display is love for those who have been um, who have been hurt. You know what I mean? People who need food, people who need water to drink and and people who need clothing and people who are sick in hospitals people who are in prison like visiting these people is like visiting jesus and jesus says my heart is for these people and when your heart is for these people you're displaying the love that i've displayed um yeah um exactly that just how we were talking about last time when we had brought up first john where it says um um if you do not know God, then you do not know love because when you're showing love on display, you're acting just like him. Right. Right. So how do I know God when I show love? It's because I'm acting like him. How do I know how to act like him? Because I know him. Right. Right. So that's what that means. It's when he's saying when what you have done unto the least of these you have done unto me. It's saying that when, when we show one, we're image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. So when we do things for one another, it's basically our way of showing God, hey, um, th- this is what I do unto you. This is by y- your um, your power and your grace that I'm able to do this. And all credit goes to you because mm-hmm. I do it to you and I do it by you. Right. So um, yeah. I think knowing God means acting like him. And the only way mm-hmm. you can act like somebody is if you know them. Right. I agree with that. I think that leads into that last one where, you know, like Jesus, he taught us that we should love those who are, you know, oppressed or, 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 or suffering to love those people and to help them. Um, and also that we should love our enemies. We should love our neighbor. We should love everybody, um, even our enemy. He taught us to love sacrificially. Um, and, and last but not least, he teaches us, you know how God is love? If God is love, then you need to model and mirror that because you're the image of God. We are the walking image of God. And if God is love, we need to constantly be putting love on display. Jesus said it like this, John 13, 35. He said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How can you tell somebody follows Christ, that they're an actual Christian, by their love for each other, right? Right. 
So when we see like people that are very divisive and not loving, it's like it's very easy to see you really don't have any type of relationship or connection with Jesus, right? Because if you did, you'd be loving. And that's what Jesus taught us is like, bro, people are going to know that you're one of my followers by the way that you love your enemies, your friends, your neighbors, all people, people of different races, cultures, things like that, that that love on display is what shows that you're really, truly a Christ follower. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the cool things, too, is like you can look at Jesus and, you know, when people do this, this is what I say. Um you're all talk, but show me, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's good that you can tell me what I ought to do. But the Pharisees did that. He's like, J- Jesus even said it. He says, do as they say, but not as they do. And um, sometimes, by the way, if you're a parent in here or uh, an uncle or an aunt or something like that, and you and you use that phrase, by the way, and you say, yeah, do what I say, but not what I do, like, you're literally modeling a Pharisee. So don't use that phrase anymore. Cause I've heard a lot of people use that. Hey, do what I say, but not what I do. I'm like, that means you're a hypocrite because <laughs> you're, you're not modeling what you're actually telling people to do. Yeah. And that's not good. If you're in a place where you're acting like that, you need to really, you know, maybe con- consider checking yourself. Um, but Jesus wasn't just talk. He was walk too. So not only did Jesus teach us, but Jesus showed us. Um, what that love looks like. Um, And so um, what does it look like to love like Jesus? Um, And one of the things I I thought was really interesting is how Jesus didn't care about the ethnic boundaries that existed in his day, right? Like there was a lot of racism. You know, when we look at today and we're like, yo, America is like the most racist country in the world. I'm like, the world is a really racist place. Um, To think that America is the only place that deals with racism is ridiculous. You can find racism in the Bible (laughs) where people will hate other people simply because of where they were born, their ethnicity, um, their skin color. This is happening during biblical times. But Jesus crosses those boundaries. Um, So why don't you tell us about that that first one? Yeah, um, I think that when we look at the the life of Jesus, we see how radical it was for that time. Because when we read it, like... I, I don't know if I've ever met a Samaritan, but I'm pretty sure they're great people, right? Mm-hmm. But if I was a Jew living at that time, I wouldn't think the same way, no. right? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that way at all. That's your culture, yeah. Exactly. This is what... So so for us reading it, it we're just like, oh, it, he was nice to that Samaritan woman, you know what I mean? He was nice to these... He's talking good about the Samaritans. When you understand the amount of literal hatred mm-hmm. that the Jews had for the Samaritans, you understand that... What G- the message that Jesus was preaching um, was not a, um, a um, an accepted one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one that was accepted by people. So, um, you know, we see that um, Jesus he he approaches this um, these people mm-hmm. right um, for the Samaritan woman at the well. This right. was, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the first person he publicly. Um, told that he was the messiah i think i think you're right about that i I think Mm -hmm. i I think that this was i I know that he healed him a leper but he told him be quiet this was the first woman where he said now go and tell everybody go to the city and tell Mm -hmm. everyone that the messiah is here yeah um and of all people of all people a a samaritan Samaritan and a woman yes because even back then there was a lot of 
not just for racism, but sexism as well, where it was just like, you know, women weren't weren't esteemed in high regard. But one of the things that I love about Jesus is that he esteemed women. That's why he had so many of them that followed him, Mm -hmm. which isn't normal. Um, But this, yeah, the Samaritans were literally crossbreeds. Like they were, for those who don't know, the Samaritans were, um, they were Jews, but they began to adopt a lot of pagan Greek practices um, and even some of their their worship um, styles and things like that, they were actually um, considered heathen and pagan, and they hated the the they hated the Samaritans. Samaritans hated the Jews right back. So a lot of this rivalry goes back to like the um, uh, the during the times of the the oh, what was that called the the Maccabean revolt. So if you want to look up any of this, just look up that look up the Maccabean revolt. Do Google search on that and read that history because um, we don't really have a lot of time to go through all of it. But yeah. just as a background, it's like these people should not talk to each other. But but you can continue, bro. Yeah, no. Um, it, it, and that's true. These people shouldn't talk to each other, and they were kept away from each other. In fact, um, although the Samaritans weren't full Jews, right, there was believed to be only one place to go to worship God, mm-hmm. and the Samaritans weren't allowed there, right? They, mm-hmm. they weren't allowed into the temple that was in Jerusalem, but mm-hmm. they were also part Jewish. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, I think even the Samaritan woman brings it up. When she's like, where am I supposed to go, right? My 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 ancestors made this well, right? Jacob's mm-hmm. well. This is where I go. And Jesus is like, it's no longer in temples or on mountains where you where you worship God anymore. Right. But it's by his by your heart. Right. And this was the hope for these people. Right. This was the hope that he was giving to these Gentiles, mm-hmm. to these people who weren't fully Jewish, mm-hmm. um, to this Samaritan woman. Yep. This was the hope that he came to bring. That it's sure. not in temples anymore in, in Jerusalem, or it's not on mountains that yeah. your ancestors had um, taken. It's mm-hmm. only by your heart now. And right. this is why she ran into the town and, and told everybody the good yeah. news. She went back to her people, the other Samaritans. She said, there's hope for us, right? There's hope for us. We don't need to go to the temples anymore. We can praise God right where we are. Right. And I think God, um, Jesus showing his love for those people in that way he crosses these ethnic borders and he says right. yo mm-hmm. you don't need to go to these places anymore those right. ways are gone mm-hmm. i've come to bring a new way of worship and it's simply by your heart right and jesus just again it's love i love the way he loves that he doesn't see ethnicity he doesn't care about cultural stigmas um there's another interesting story in Matthew 15 about a Syrophoenician woman. Um, and she's a, a Gentile that Jesus is speaking to. She comes, comes up and she's asking Jesus, heal my daughter, heal my daughter. And uh, it was a very tense conversation. I think Jesus even tells her she's a dog. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> yeah. are like, wait, what? <laughs> he, he did. He told her, he said, um, he said, I came for the lost sheep of Israel. Um, um, I, I didn't come. He's like, um, I didn't come to give the children's bread to dogs. Right. Like he said, I came for Israel. I'm not here for you, Syrophoenicians. Um, the crazy part is that a Syrophoenician is actually a Canaanite, a descendant of the Canaanites. We just talked about them. Yeah. This is in the last podcast. We talked about Molech. The, these these are the people that worship Molech and would make children sacrifices. This woman is coming to Jesus with the audacity. You know what I mean? Saying, heal my daughter, please. Jesus is like, I didn't I didn't come for y'all, you know. But she and, and he tells her, he's like, it's not right for me to give the children's bread to dogs, to which she replied. But even dogs eat the scraps off the master's table, don't they, Jesus? Jesus was like, oh, 
you know like <laughs> yeah he's just a god right like he he was taken back like wow mm-hmm. well played right like jesus the bible says that jesus marveled at this woman's faith what a great response and jesus goes your daughter's healed right like why do anything for somebody who comes from such a pagan background but jesus shows his love even for the syrophoenician canaanite woman um who else is there um, we have the centurion, Matthew, oh, yeah, yeah. Matthew eight. 8 and 7, um, uh, Luke 7 rather. Yeah. Um, this was another crazy one because a centurion, if people don't know, is um, a Roman soldier. He's an officer and he has a pretty high ranking. Centurions yeah. did. He wasn't just your normal guard. He was one of those people who had command and yeah. they actually commanded the other soldiers as well. So um, obviously being under this persecution, the Jews weren't happy about it, mm-hmm. of course. They've yeah. already been through so much of this. That's of the enemy. Occupation. Yes. Yeah. They, like this isn't the only time that they've been occupied by somebody strong. Yeah. And it happens again. Mm-hmm. And they obviously don't like them either. There was a lot of people that Jewish people didn't like. They didn't like the yeah. Greeks. They didn't like the Samaritans, the Canaanites, any of these people. They're all pagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, so this story was especially mind blowing, especially at this time, because the centurion comes and he's hearing all the great things about jesus like who hasn't right his stories are being stretched out throughout all of judea and all of samaria this is everyone knows about him so Mm -hmm. he hears about this and um he has um i i think uh not like like a slave or a worker of some uh, somebody kind. under his command yeah, like somebody a under his yeah, yeah. Com- yeah like a servant almost mm-hmm. um and he obviously very much cares for this person so right. he runs to jesus and he says um yeah because if he was just some slave he wouldn't ask for his slave to be healed <laughs> he would just yeah. say oh a, a dime a dozen right but um he, yeah. he's asking and he's saying please heal my servant mm-hmm. um somebody who you wouldn't expect to run to jesus and yeah he sees that faith again and he says, your servant has been healed. Yeah. And as he's making his way back, his people come to him and he's like, the, the servant, the one that you've, um, yeah. the one that you care about so much, he's he's well again. And it's oh, yeah. so amazing. It's the fact that Jesus didn't even need to be there to do the healing, but it was just his faith. And that's why I love yeah. when Jesus says that. He offered though. Mm-hmm. He said, let me go back to your place. And he goes, I'm not worthy to have you in my house. That's so crazy. Bro, a, a centurion bowing to Jesus. What a scene. <laughs> like, bro, people people bow to centurions like, <laughs> oh, please, please don't arrest me. Please, you know, like take whatever you want. Like centurions were bad to the bone, but you got this bad to the bone Roman officer who bows to the knee of to, to Jesus saying, hey, can you please heal me? You're not even worthy to come into please my house. Please don't come into my house. house. I'm, not, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> For that, yeah. yeah. Incredible, man incredible and 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 in that that's really where we're even looking at that because that that's it's really more of a cultural thing like centurions were the enemy but they had a lot of enemies you know it wasn't just ethnic enemies but cultural enemies right so it wasn't just the centurions but tax collectors oh my gosh they hated them um because the the tax collectors were the bill the biggest sellouts right like rome comes in they tell you, you have to worship Caesar, you have to bow to him. And they're like, we're not going to bow or worship Caesar. And then, well, you got to pay your taxes and we're going to charge you money. And then the money you give us, we're going to build pantheons to our God and structures to Caesar. And they're like, our money is literally being used for idol worship, something we are completely opposed to. Mm-hmm. 
I cannot believe that they're going to charge us these kinds of taxes. Then all of a sudden they're like, hey, what's up, Zacchaeus? And Zacchaeus comes up and he's just like, what's up, bro? You doing good? It's good to see you. Shalom, shalom. And then he's just like, yeah, yeah. So about those taxes, what do you mean? Zacchaeus, what, why do you have centurions with you? And Zacchaeus is like, sorry, buddy, I got a new job and now I'm working for the enemy and I'm going to need some taxes from you. How much is it? It's 50, right? Nope. 150. 150? It was just 50 not that long ago. Sorry. Inflation, right? And, and he would charge people. He would charge people like more money than he would pocket some of it and give the rest to Rome. Like he was literally, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a horrible, horrible dude. But one day Jesus is walking. He sees Zacchaeus up in the tree. And what does he say? Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house, man. We're going to chill today. And it's like, you want to come to my house? And Zacchaeus is trying to get a look at this guy because he's like, who is this Jesus guy? That oh, he's, I keep the, he's the about? short guy, right? Yeah, yeah. The, Zacchaeus, the, the wee stature. little man and a wee little man was he. Mm-hmm. he? Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. That should be a song. Um, and and so um, this is my, my children's church days. Um, that's how old I am. So if you're watching this podcast, that's how old I am. But so Jesus, not only does he speak to Zacchaeus, an enemy, but he actually... Um, he actually goes to his house and we know that the, that Jesus had an impact on him because Zacchaeus afterwards is recorded as having gone back and giving people back four times the amount that he had cheated from them. He gave all the money that all the fraudulent money he had taken. He went and gave it back times four. Right. He gave him a stimmy like real quick, like he gave him <laughs> a stimulus check. He was like, here's your stimmies, 2000 for everybody. Right. Um, and so seeing that, I'm like, wow, Jesus, not only did he cross ethnic backgrounds, but cultural boundaries that of I'm going to talk to tax collectors and I'm going to associate with them. I'm going to eat and drink with them. I'm going to hang out with them because I'm going to show love to people, even though you consider them an enemy. Um, who else? Um, we have Levi from Levi Mar- or who we know as Matthew. Most people call him Matthew. Yeah, the, the, um, he's the, oh, he's the disciple. Yeah, he's the disciple and he wrote Matthew. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, I, I like this one a lot because um, we're, we're not sponsored, but I'm going to give a free shout out. If you've ever seen the show The Chosen, I don't know how many people have seen it, but they display that scene where Jesus calls Matthew so well. And now when I read it, I look at it like that plays in my head, that scene, because he's in the taxi, he's in the booth, right? And mm-hmm. Matthew, Jesus is passing by and he stops and he says, uh, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, come, follow me. And although it's not in the Bible, they did it in the show. And I think it explains that so well, because think about what he was giving up when he chose to follow Jesus. The centurion stops him. And he says, you have money, you have protection. And you're going to give this all up to follow some street preacher? And Matthew says, yes. Right? So that's what he was giving up. He was giving up protection. Like, these tax collectors weren't just treated like the other Jews. They were put in a nice house. They had nice money. Yeah. They were living nice. He was living sweet. Mm -hmm. Right? He was living a great life. And he chose to throw that all away to follow Jesus. And I think that that was so amazing. So uh, if anybody doesn't, you know, watch that show, The Chosen, it's free. We're not sponsored. Not yet. (laughs) But I would definitely put that show in because I think that it shows the gospel very beautifully. But that's just a free little plug. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. And so he associated with tax collectors, ate and drank with them, Mm -hmm. partied with them. 
but he made one a disciple. Mm-hmm. Like he made a follower out of a, out of a tax collector, which I'm sure didn't wasn't very popular back then. No. But Jesus was willing to show that love. He was also willing to cross some boundaries with with um, people who had leprosy with the disease. You know, it's a very contagious disease. It was a skin disease that plagued people, and um, a lot of people. Um, associated because people were stricken with leprosy in the old testament a lot of people assumed that if you caught leprosy that it was a um it was because you were a sinner one of those like superstitions yeah Yeah, it was like either this guy sinned or his parents sinned for him to be stricken with leprosy some they did something really bad in order and one of the one of the most Profound. And there's a couple of leprosy stories of people. We found it in Matthew 8, Mark 1, Luke 5, uh, Luke 17. Um, these are all stories with leprosy. But I think the one that stuck out to me the most was the one who asked Jesus to be healed. And Jesus goes, he goes, if you can heal me. And he's like, if I can. I love that one. <laughs> of course I can. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, and I will be clean. But the Bible, Bible adds a little detail that Jesus touched him. Which, man, to me, I had to put myself in the shoes of a leper, social outcast. Can I have some money? Oh, don't touch me. Disgusting. Oh, my gosh. Like, think about think about this. This guy had leprosy. I don't know how many years he had it for. But could you imagine? I need a hug every now and then. But could you imagine not a single person giving you any kind of physical contact for years years this guy's been sitting around hasn't had a human embrace but jesus grabs this man that's monumental and jesus is like i don't care about disease it doesn't affect me i'm immune um (laughs) and so (laughs) it's in the blood um but but jesus just touches him and says be clean I think that's um, so amazing because, like you just said, these are social outcasts. They're not Mm -hmm. allowed in the temple. They're not allowed anywhere. So not only do they not have human embrace, they can't even worship God. True. They can't. Mm Because, again, um, like I had said before with the Samaritan woman, the only place where you could go to worship God is the temple. Yeah. Right? You had to be there if you wanted to worship God. They can't. They're not even allowed sometimes inside the city. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'd be sitting outside the yeah. walls mm-hmm. and they're just sitting not even on the in side the outer the courts. Road. Can you go? Exactly. The so Gentiles can go there, but not you. You're you're worse than that. Worse it, than which, a Gentile, which was which was just a sucky yeah. way to live. And Jesus, yeah. um, he comes into close contact with these yeah. people and being in the leper's shoes. That must have been crazy, too. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus could have healed him from far away. Yeah. Right. He could have just said, just like he did with the centurion and just like he did with the Syrophoenician woman, um, go, your faith has healed you. Your yeah. daughter, the person you want is healed. He didn't even have to be there. Wow. But Jesus decides because he knows the way that society has looked at these people. And he says, no, I'm going to lay my hands on you. Yeah. And he touches him, which I think is so amazing. What love and compassion. And even for uh, the last one, sinners, just... Mm-hmm. The woman caught in adultery. Um, uh, there's John 7, uh, chapter 7 and chapter 8, like that very tail end of 7, the beginning of 8, which is actually interesting that some people omit that from the Bible because it wasn't found in like some of the earlier manuscripts. We know that it, traditionally it's been held to be a true story. Yes. Um, but it, it's a great story because it just shows like even even the woman that was anointing Jesus's feet where they were the they walk into the house and this woman is just crying at the feet of Jesus and kissing his feet. And they were like, if only jesus knew where those lips have been like that's literally the comments that they're making they're they're saying if he knew what kind of woman this was and the stuff that she did in her bedroom sleeping with men and things like that trying to earn a living jesus would never let her kiss his feet 
And Jesus goes, you know what's funny? Like, and they're like, <laughs> like they, they were saying this in their heads. <laughs> and Jesus says out loud, you know what's funny? When I came in, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet, right? When I came into the house, you didn't wash my feet, but she washes my feet with her tears, right? It, when I came in, you didn't, you didn't even anoint me or give me any kind of cologne or perfume, but she broke open a, a, a huge vase of the most expensive perfume and has anointed my feet. You want to talk about love. You know why she loves? Because she's been forgiven much. For those who have been forgiven much, love much. And I think that our love to G, our love for Jesus is really tied to how much sin we've done in our life mm -hmm. and our recognition of that. Yeah. Because when you don't recognize sin, there's no need for Jesus. Right? And you won't love him very much because it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not going to go to hell because I believe in him. It's like, no, do you understand all the f sin that Jesus has forgiven in your life? When The more sin you recognize in your life, the deeper and deeper you fall in love with Jesus. Um, but yeah. And then the last thing is just Jesus is... So, so Jesus displays love in the way he lived, right? He taught us how to love. He displayed it in his life. But the biggest display of his love is his death. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, th this is my favorite part to yeah. talk about mm -hmm. because um, it's been on my heart a lot lately. What exactly his, um, his death had done for us. Um, and I know that um, you and me were, ha um, were talking about it not too long ago in the office again and how especially not just his love for his own people, the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. And now we have entered into that promise. All of us, yeah. all, the, all, all the people who aren't of Jewish blood have been made Jews by faith, right? By his death. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I did a little bit of research, but every covenant in the Bible is sealed with blood, isn't it? Almost every one. I, 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 I would... Um, I would have um, some like some kind of sacrifice. Yeah, or like some like kind of sacrifice or... was required for this covenant to be made. So when a lot of times we hear um, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship, but it's a relationship through covenant, mm -hmm. right? It's a relationship through the blood of Jesus. He is so that marriage. covenant. Yes, yeah. he, he is that seal for us. And I think that's that's the greatest thing about that love that he was willing um, to sacrifice himself. Right. right. So again, he's calling us like he did before, calling us to lay down our lives for his friends. And now he's like, OK, now I'll show you yeah. how exactly um, I do that uh, again from John 15. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And um, but the greatest thing is those other people who were outside now enter into that promise. Correct. Yeah, because that was the will of God from the very beginning. Like some people think, you know, that kind of, you know, God. God has the chosen people, the Jewish people. Those are God's chosen people and that God gave his life up for them. But in reality, it's like from the very beginning, even in the Old Testament, God's design was always to save humanity. Um, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, but have eternal life. That's God's purpose. It's God's will that Jesus would sacrifice himself for us wasn't an accident you didn't get saved on accident you were saved on purpose um and jesus dying for you was god's plan from from the very beginning uh, of time and we see that even in genesis three fifteen. and i think we're going to talk about this a little next month but in uh genesis chapter 3 as soon as uh adam and eve fall um in the garden and they sin 
he mentions this brief moment of um, he says, I will put enmity between your seed, uh, the, the, uh, the serpent, I'll put enmity between your seed and the woman's seed. And he says, um, and he will, he talks about this mysterious person. He says, he will crush your head to the serpent and you will bruise his heel. Um, he talked about that one day is coming a man who will once and for all put a, put a stop to Satan, sin and death crush it but at the same time he would receive a blow and that's exactly what happened to jesus he is that serpent crushing uh man who came to crush the head of the serpent but at the same time would die in the process of doing so um and that's exactly what jesus came to do yeah um i i think that um that display of of love was really something so unique in history mm -hmm. we never see that before um I, i've heard it put this way that um there is no other place in history where love and justice combine together at the same time mm. right that there's there's no other time like that in history where justice is being served um to to his enemies right this is the justice that um needs to this is the the required sacrifice this right. is justice he's taking that punishment for his enemies mm -hmm. right um it says in romans 5 6 through 8 for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly mm. for one will scarcely die for a righteous person right. though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die but god shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners christ, christ died, died for, for us, us. Yeah. and i think that you know, you ask, where's the where's the justice in that? Well, the justice was poured on him. Um, I think that the the Bible doesn't just tell us that he took on sin. He became sin and poured out his wrath upon himself and right. took that justice. So where's the justice? It's put on Jesus. And yeah. where's the love? It's taking that justice, mm -hmm. taking that punishment. So I think that the cross is so unique in that yeah. way mm -hmm. of um, just showing his love for his enemies. And right. Because he taught, he taught us love your enemies, yeah. and then he dies on a cross for ungodly people who would never love him. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> ju like just to go back to what I was saying when it yeah. says that um, when Paul says in Romans again, I forgot exactly where it is when he says, "For by faith we have been made sons of Abraham." Mm -hmm. um, for by faith you have been made sons of Abraham. He's not talking to Jews; they're already sons of Abraham. Mm -hmm. He's talking to other people who aren't um, sons of Abraham by blood, but are now by faith mm. and faith alone. Mm -hmm. Um, made sons of Abraham. He's talking to us. We would have been those people because um, I'm not sure how much Jewish I have in me. I don't think I have any. <laughs> but, you know, that that's, again, that's the hope that he gave to the Samaritans. That's the hope that he gave to these people that um, there's going to come a day where it's simply by your faith, by your heart, that you will enter into this promise. And I think that's just, like, it, it just blows my mind so much. No matter how many times I think about it or read it, I'm just yeah. blown away by that. Yeah, and that G and 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 that's the great thing is like Jesus came to die for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, he came to die for his enemies. He came to die for all of us um, who were naturally enemies of God by nature, but have now become sons of God through the process of adoption. Um, Jesus dies to purchase us, right? To purchase us, and and not just to purchase. The, I think I want to make a distinction here. He purchased people, not potential, right? Like Jesus didn't purchase the potential for you to be saved, but he purchased you as a person. Individually, he thought of you on that cross and purchased you with his blood. 
and um, because it, he even says it in John six thirty nine, and it says, um, uh, what do you say? He says, uh, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father. Um, of the of him who has sent me and this is the will of him who has, who have sent me that i should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day mm-hmm. right the idea here is that jesus died and that those whom he died for he will not lose i will not lose you um all of those who my father has given me i will save them god has God has chosen you. He has called you to be saved, to believe and trust in him, to believe the gospel message, and that in that you would be saved and come to him and he will not lose you. Um, He will finish the good work that he starts in us. Um, And so Jesus um, coming in um, and not just purchasing us, but substituting for us. He comes in as a as a sacrificial lamb. First Peter two twenty four says this: He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Um, and and the the concept here is that Jesus bore our sin, right? Like he became our sin. I think that's what the Bible teaches. It's not that he just simply took our sin, but he became sin on the cross um and he died so that we uh that we would die to sin right like he died because of our sin so that we would die to our sin and live in righteousness right and so um jesus comes in as that great substitutionary lamb as well yeah um and and i've been um um looking that up as well um i've been reading um that textbook that um you guys had told me to get systematic theology by Wayne Grudem, and he goes over why yes, everybody buy one. Yes, please, everyone. <laughs> I it, every Christian needs one. I think Absolutely. it's so important. But um, we go over um in, in the book um how Jesus was our substitute and how before in the Old Testament when people would sacrifice these animals, the reason why they weren't sufficient enough for their sins was because they weren't a representative of you, mm. right? They these weren't people; these were just animals. So they didn't represent you before God. Jesus Mm. was our substitute because he was a man and he was able to be our representative towards God. Right. And he needed to be a man. Mm -hmm. He he absolutely needed to be a man to die on that cross because he needs to represent us. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something that the book goes over. So he was that perfect substitute for us because he was like us in many ways. In every way. yeah, In in every way. Which is the reason why God didn't send a 33-year-old Jesus to earth in human flesh and then he just died on the cross but mm-hmm. rather sent him as a as an infant yeah, hebrews tells us that he had to learn obedience mm-hmm. he had to learn Through his suffering mm-hmm. yeah jesus had to learn how to walk jesus crawled you know what mm-hmm. i mean jesus had to learn how to be a carpenter yeah. he didn't just come in with his knowledge he represented and, every stage of a human's existence mm-hmm. from childhood infancy to a teenager to and we even have a story of teen jesus which is pretty funny i wish we um, had more i wish but, we had more teen, uh, yeah i, I we, think we need more teen jesus stuff yeah but um i think that uh, of course what we have is enough but enough, i think those would have been yeah. amazing stories to have i'm That'd just not great. sure how much of those people actually yeah. had or how important they were um, right because right, right. you know I, I don't think i'm obviously not saying jesus Jesus and his teens wasn't important. No, but I, I think that there's a reason why we don't have that much. And I think because he was still waiting for that, um, for right. his ministry to start. That's why it starts as a, we have like one story of his teens and then his ministry, because mm-hmm. what he was doing in between was probably just carpenter stuff. 
right? Yeah, Probably just working yeah. and doing that stuff. So being perfect at kickball and oh yeah, kicking a a, a, a ball to China, taking all his <laughs> taking on getting aces on all his quizzes without even studying, right? With his perfection. No. Yeah, just uh, yeah. I don't know about all that, but uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Man, I think about the pressure on Mary. It's like, oh yeah. Try to keep him alive for thirty-three. <laughs> he's like, don't, Jesus, don't, don't, don't climb that. And he's like, I'll be fine. Trust me. He's <laughs> not. Yeah. Anyway, but Jesus's perfect model of love. I think we'll close it out here. First John three sixteen and seventeen says this: By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anybody has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Why? So ultimately here, it's that very first line. How do we know love? We know love because he laid down his life for us. And because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our life for one another. Just like you were saying earlier. That is not being a sacrificial love isn't about just taking a bullet for a person. It's it's about a lot more than that. It's about laying down my life for my brothers. Um if anybody sees the world's goods and sees his brother in need, need yet closes his heart against him, how do you have God? How do you claim to love God? And how do you have? How do you claim to be a walking image of God? You know, if you're not displaying that type of love on a daily basis. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Vcast. If you really liked what you heard. Um, share it with a friend. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like this video. Don't forget to follow us, uh, subscribe to us, make sure that you guys are following us on social media, Facebook and, uh, Instagram. Uh, you can find us at try Viva church. Um, look up Viva church online and you'll be able to see all of our social media accounts and, uh, just give us a follow and like some of our stuff, man. We really appreciate that. Um, if you could just take a few seconds to do that, it, it helps us out greatly with the channel helps us to uh, continue to reach more people. Um, so please, please help us out by just clicking those like buttons and, noti- and turning on notifications and uh, sharing this with your friends. We appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for listening. And uh, as always, if you guys need anything, you can contact us through social media if you have any questions um, or if you have any uh, suggestions or things you want to hear from our podcast, just let us know and we'll, get, uh, we'll definitely get back to you and uh, see how we can incorporate that. Love you guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. God bless you.